This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 6, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. When the U.S. military kills insurgents or terrorists overseas, why does it seem like we end up with more of the same problem? The Cato Institute's Eric Gopner discusses the miscalculations in Iraq, Afghanistan, and beyond. Is there a standard way to measure what is an insurgent, what is a terrorist, or uh, who is an enemy combatant? Great question. I don't know of a universally agreed-to definition. Organizations out of Stanford, like mapping militant organizations, uh, take a stab at it, but I couldn't explain fully their methodology. Okay. So what kind of estimates do we have out there about how many Islamist terrorists exist? When we, or just before the war on terror, there were an estimated 13 groups, Al-Qaeda, plus uh, 12 like-minded groups, if you will, averaging about 32,000 total uh, fighters was the estimate. And now we're looking at approximately 44 terror organizations, Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, similar groups. And the estimates are approximately 109,000 fighters or adherents to those groups despite the fact that the U.S. government estimates that it's killed as many as 60,000 fighters over the last two years. Okay. So uh, as you as you note in your uh, post here at, at Cato.org, when does 32,200 minus 60,000 equal 109,000? Correct. That's, so how do, we, how do we get that? How does that math add up? General, General McChrystal is the first uh, that I heard or saw who talked about this, and he uh, delivered a speech back in 2009, and then uh, I served in Afghanistan in 2010 and, and heard more of what we called McChrystal math, uh, but others will call coin mathematics or insurgent math. And his argument was that there's nothing linear about killing and capturing terrorists. If you have 10, you kill two. Don't think that the number left is eight. He made the point that in a positive way, you could actually deter fighters off the battlefield, but he suggested more likely you have members of the family of the deceased who don't think what that person was doing was wrong, and they definitely think he was a family member and they want to avenge his loss. And so you actually put more terrorists on the battlefield as you're killing and taking some off the battlefield. And the other point I would make, um, you know, if Americans were just to sit and think for a moment about another sovereign nation invading our country— How long would it take the average American male to become a fighter, you know, against the invading force? We just tend to think that when we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, we did so with noble intentions. And so we would be received that way by the population. And I think that's a a gross miscalculation. So when we've made this miscalculation, I think a number of times. Well, definitely Afghanistan and Iraq in terms of invasion. And then if you look at uh, where we've either continued to or have conducted Uh, drone strikes as part of the war on terror, I think we're at a total of eight or nine uh, nations, almost all of which are Muslim majority states. And and how do uh, military officials uh, make that that calculation that even though we know uh, in some ways that when we kill someone on the battlefield, that we're creating more animosity and potentially more terrorists, do they make any kind of uh, estimate about what makes it worth doing? I'm not familiar of a planning estimate that the military has. And, you know, normally the military is exquisite in their planning, but I'm not aware of a planning factor. I would argue that potentially that's more of a political civilian leader um, 
element that that's something they should be cognizant of. And once they give the military a mission, the military simply has to execute it. But I would say before the mission parameters were identified by our civilian leadership, they might have wanted to factor that in or potentially factor it in now 16, uh, 17 years into the fight. All right. So, I mean, then if the if civilian leadership uh, who are giving the directions to the military to en- engage in a mission, what discussion of that has occurred in the last, you know, 16, 17 years? Uh, I think there potentially has been a minority voice here or there, but overwhelmingly, it seems like the mantra is there is this ex- existential threat uh, from the Islamic State, al-Qaeda and others, and therefore we must... Uh, meet force with force, despite the fact that the literature and security studies is pretty unambiguous. You do not end terror groups with military force. Uh, They either implode because they become unattractive to the population or potentially um, local policing, which is much different than military force. What hope is there in this administration that there could be a turnaround or at least a, a recognition of this fact in making future war plans in the various countries where U.S. is fighting? Only time will tell. Uh, Two interesting points. One, uh, the Arab barometer, which I believe is um, associated with Princeton University, goes out and polls Muslim-majority populations and asks them a series of questions, and one of which they've asked is, is it okay, based on the United States' actions in the Middle East, is it okay to attack Americans at any uh, location, everywhere, type of question? And in 11 of the 11 Muslim-majority states that they polled, more people said, yes, I agree that we should attack Americans than disagreed with that statement. And that includes supposed allies like Kuwait, uh, Jordan, and Iraq. Does the fact that we are engaging in so much drone warfare, does that change the calculus or should it change the calculus when it comes to thinking about uh, the blowback or the... uh, ancillary damage that we're causing? Yes, because from an American perspective, we tend to think of it as fairly low risk to the American warfighter. And that can potentially, you know, put us into a sleep or dupe us into thinking that it's a similarly benign attack on um, the location. And of course, it's not because if you're a terror fighter, you're probably living with your family. So an accurate drone strike, unless it's really well-timed where you're separated from your family, would more than likely uh, take out both the terrorist and anybody associated with them, whether it be wives, kids, that type of thing. Uh, the, the main point is there's a lot of good academic research out there that is fairly unambiguous, that if you want to continue using military force to deal with terrorism, you're going to continue to have to use military force to deal with terrorism. Eric Gopner is a visiting research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 